This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's the full go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was good, man. We're just uh, debating who would, would who would you rather be a fan of, the Angels or the White Sox? And I was like, no, nah, that's the White nah. Sox. Angel- I love Otani, but it's like, no. Yeah, you got not, two of the best from players my perspective, in man. Not from my perspective. Yeah, I got you. You're a Dodgers <laughs> guy. You're a Dodgers guy, so but I can even, dig that. Even being in LA, like I was telling Tony, like, Angels don't resonate. Like, they've had Mike Trout for years. They've had Otani for how long? They still can't sell out that stadium. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they can't fill it out. They can't, they, they, they just don't know what they're doing. It's, it's really sad. I really feel bad for, for Otani, most of all, because he's such a great player and he's like just wallowing away. Yeah, you got to know your fans, right? You got to know your, your market. And when you are trying to, replace the minds and hearts of an already established fan base, right? Like the Dodgers or, you know, you go, you know, to the, to the Bay with the Giants. I mean, you know, these are, these are tried and true franchises with skins on the wall, right? And, and tradition and history. And you're coming in there with, you know, you got, <laughs> you, you got, um, you got Enrico Palazzo 
and, <laughs> and, and Leslie Nielsen being like the the most <laughs> the, the most generational uh, relevant or 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 you know just things that that make you think about Angels baseball. Like for me, I remember what was my man's name? Was it Cal Anderson? If I'm not mistaken, the the, the big right hander. No, Cal Eldred. My man, Cal Eldred, actually former White Sox. Cal Eldred. Yeah, yeah. Like I, back in the day, I remember them being the team that Reggie Jackson played for when he was done. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, those teams with Garrett Anderson and Tim Salmon and all the dude Jimmy Edmonds and all those guys. Like when they were really humming when they won their World Series. Um, and 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 Joe Madden, I believe, was a bench coach during that time. He was a part of that thing because he referenced it a lot when he was here in Chicago. And then, of course, him going back uh, and managing the Angels, and then you know subsequently getting fired. Uh, but yeah, my time in Atlanta too. Um, when you got a lot of transplant fans, right, and a lot of people from the city don't live there anymore, or the people who do live in the city aren't from the city, you got to market differently. Like I saw the Braves have to do it differently. I saw the Atlanta Hawks have to do it differently. Falcons, I mean, the Falcons were the, I don't want to say second-class team, but they were the second-class football team in the city of Atlanta, even though the first-class team played in Athens, Georgia, which was, uh, you know, eons and, and, and a time machine away from the city of Atlanta, right? So when you're doing that, you got to, you got to spend big and then win big. I think they've done the spending big part, but they haven't done doing done the winning big part. Uh, you know, Albert Pujols, a shot in the dark, obviously didn't really move the needle. And then you get uh, Josh Hamilton. Yeah, Josh Hamilton, no doubt, no doubt. And then you get a generational player like Mike Trout, and it just goes to show you how how wild baseball is. Like we talk about Anthony the, Rendon. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, these are real players. Like, if you tell me that you've got Rendon, Trout, and Otani in your lineup, I'm going to tell you you're going to at least be battling for the playoffs every single year if your pitching can get out of its way. And that's the issue with this franchise. Their pitching has been suspect for a very long time. Very, very long time. Um, They had one of the Weaver boys, if I'm not mistaken. Jeff was the Detroit Tiger, and I believe, was it Jason or Justin? Jed, wasn't it? Jed Weaver? It doesn't really matter now, right now. One of them. It could be Jamal Weaver for all we care. Um, (laughs) They they just haven't haven't had sustainable starting pitching. I'm going to tell you this right now. As we are taping, what is this, episode 118, I believe it is? 119? 119. Damn. As we are taping episode 119 of the Full Go podcast, I am the only person awake in my home right now. Uh, I've got a, a sleeping... Uh, five-year-old. I've got a fiance who is knocked out because today is her uh, aka anniversary. Right, thirteen years in the game, representing the pink and green. Oh, right? and, hey, her anniversary. I feel like AK got an anniversary every month. I just see. <laughs> well, it's hers. It's hers. Her line crossed today, oh, okay. thirteen years ago. Right, and of course, yeah. Don't worry. They no. They do have something every month, though. <laughs> there is, there is something every month. There is a there is a box that shows up at my doorstep seemingly every week, uh, reminding her of her AKA ness, and I am uh, I am all about it. I don't want any smoke with the. That, that's, the that's, first, the that's, that's all I had to yeah. say. That, that's the end of yeah. my conversation about the AKA. No smoke. No smoke. The original dancing gang, uh, the AKAs. I have no issues with any of you ladies out there in that fine sorority. 
And I've also got a, a, a snoring pit bull uh, in, in the living room right now, which I threw on Instagram because guess what? Socks are on the left coast. So that means everybody stays up late. Shout out to all you morning show people out there who have to get up at four and five in the morning after going to bed at 1130 midnight. Um, cause you're going to lie about how much of this game you watched. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it at all. I, uh, I watched the entire game. I think I nodded off somewhere there in the, uh, the, the top of the fourth, but I watched, I watched it. And this is, this is all I'll say about this Sox team. You know, I've been in many relationships in my life, right? Some good, some bad, some professional, some personal, but you want to know what the worst relationship is. The worst relationship is the one that shows you the good times and you're like, ah, all the bad times have been erased. <laughs> There's never been a bad time that has ever happened with this person, thing, entity, job, team, whatever you want to fill in the blank, right? And, and we've all been there before. We're like, oh, look at her. She's so amazing. The good times are so good. And then the bad times make you yearn for those good times being good again. I don't know if this is what the Sox offense is going to look like in the future here, but what is it? They, they had they had a couple of five-run innings, a couple of big crooked numbers that they threw up on the board against the Angels uh, tonight as we were recording this. I guess I guess we could say last night now. <laughs> we're recording it at, after midnight. But, yeah, they had two five-run innings in all of the season before tonight. I'm sorry, three, three five-run innings, five-plus run innings in all the season before tonight. They had two in tonight's game. Uh, after Chase Silchet, Chet Sil, Philset, uh, Chase something for the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, Orange County. After that young man got to the second part of the lineup, got to the lineup the second time, uh, that breaking stuff wasn't as crisp. Steve Stone pointed it out, and the Sox started to yakatow his ass all over the yard. I appreciate it. And, and shout out to the two guys who I can't wait to get out of the lineup because every time I look and see their names, they uh, end up doing something. Um, and one more than the other. Josh Harrison, over the last, I'd say, couple of weeks or so, has had some pretty big games for a guy who's always out. Uh, and and Leori Garcia, well, you know, he's... He's uh, Tony's favorite. He, you can't wait to put Leo Garcia, not Tony Gill, ladies and gentlemen, Tony LaRussa, Tony LaRussa. Or, you know what, we should throw both of y'all in the fly machine and come out with a Tony LaGill, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 a manager with, with, with horrific takes who is aging like milk. <laughs> That's what we're going to do because we're loopy and it's West Coast baseball podcast time for us. I, shout out to the Cubs. This is the other thing, too. Both both these damn teams tonight had me thinking, boy, I'm gonna be in and out this piece by about 10, 30, 11, because both of these teams tonight started off the game mowing, mowing the, the opponents down. Give me Keegan Thompson was out there filthy, Castillo filthy, pitch for pitch. It was an hour into 
the Cubs-Reds game, and we are already in the fifth inning. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is amazing. I'm fixing dinner for my kid. Even though he doesn't want to eat his greens or his salad, I can't bribe him because I'm a soft-ass dad, and I'm never going to really, you know, I'm never going to, the consequences never really kick in. I told the man, if you don't eat your salad, then you're not going to have a donut in the morning because that's our thing. We go, we go over to Dunkin' Donuts and then grab a donut and go to school. He starts to get upset. He knows I'm not going to with, withhold him. I'm not going to take away his donut in the morning. So he didn't have to eat his salad. I'm making dinner. I look up at the TV and see the Reds and the Cubs. By the way, this is the, another thing that we have to mention here. Boy, did these two teams play in some shit divisions. Like, all I'm watching is bad baseball. And if the team that is in the city that I reside in isn't playing the good part of the bad baseball, then the other team, the opponent, especially if it's in division ain't gonna supply you with good baseball either because the nl central and the al central are garbage okay that's why Sox fans are upset steve stone okay that's why we're sitting here like oh there's still a chance and shake was right shakia taylor who was on our last podcast she was right it don't matter if you do come out of this division because you will be the the best of the poor playing teams in a bad division and, and, of course, we're not talking about the Cubs because the Cubs are in rebuild mode and, you know, they get their asses stumped every every other day, seemingly. But, man, this Sox thing is so baffling because they put up a big number, right? They put up 11 runs against a team that is not very good, but you're hoping, you're hoping that this can be the start of something. You're hoping that with Yohan Mankade back from injury that he can get on track. Had himself a nice game tonight. Of course, Luis Robert, La Pantera, what can you say about him? What more can you say about the dude? The dude is infinitely skilled. He goes to work tonight, has himself another big game. Tim Anderson, um, every time you look up, Tim Anderson has a couple of hits seemingly, but for whatever reason, this team hasn't been able to turn hits into power. Right. The, the the team that I thought would come into this season bashing the ball all over the yard has one been hurt and two not really capitalize on mistakes in the zone for power. You look at some of the power numbers on this squad. I heard Chuck Garfine on the pre and post game show uh, for NBC Sports Chicago mentioned that they're like 24th and 29th in the power numbers hits. They're getting hits. Right. And on base percentage, Jose Abreu has been outstanding over the last, I'd say, what, 20 games or so. He's like in the top six or seven in, in Major League Baseball and on base percentage. So they've been, they, that guy's been getting on base, but they haven't been yanking the ball out of the yard or hitting it into the gaps for power. And tonight they did exactly that up and down the lineup. They got production. Uh, and, and as soon as the Angels went to the bullpen, that's when the Sox batters were fighting at the bat rack. So hopefully this this turns into something. They they came into this game losing five out of the last seven. Uh, a game where Lucas Gilito got better every inning in his last start. And he needed it, right? Because the last two, three weeks or so, whether it be the mechanical issues, people worried about is, is he healthy or not. Um, he, he just hasn't looked like the Lucas Gilito that we've come to know and love over the last couple of years. He seemingly got back on track, but the Sox defense was awful. Gavin Sheets had the ball pop out of his glove, and Sevi Sabaya didn't, Savala didn't, uh, you know, he, he had himself a base running error. I mean, this team, and, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but this team offensively hasn't been good enough this year to play the kind of baseball they play. But if they play 
And they hit the way they hit against the Angels tonight. Going forward, they got a series against the Red Sox coming up, an important series against the Red Sox coming up uh, here in the next few days. If this team can start to hit the ball, it'll make up for some of these errors. It'll make up for some uh, uh, of the injured of the injury concerns, right? I mean, Liam Hendricks uh, ahead of schedule, seemingly. Rick Hahn thought this would be a three-week thing. This is a dude who seems like he's going to be ready here in the next week or so. Um, you know, they, they're getting healthier. Uh, they're starting to hit the ball, seemingly. Hopefully tonight is the a harbinger for things to come. But, man, uh, it's just... It's just a relationship where I'm like, hey, man, figure out what y'all going to be so I can make my summer plans, right? Like, I, we got stuff to do this summer. We we got outside to be. And is that outside going to be a guarantee rate or is that outside going to be somewhere else watching the, the Sox game? I don't know, especially with the Twins being the Twins and the Guardians, you know. I mean, they, they've got some talent, but pitching-wise, I don't think either one of those teams can stack up with a healthy staff or a healthy bullpen that the Sox can present. It's just the Sox can't get out of their own way. Every team right now, if you are out there betting on FanDuel Sportsbook, every team in the AL Central is plus money to win the division. Now, obviously, the Royals and the Tigers are way, way down there, but you got three teams at the top that are all plus money. Nobody is, is separating themselves from the pack. And if you look at it on paper, this team should be better than those other two teams. And speaking of the Guardians and the Twins. So hopefully tonight's game is something that they can build upon. Of course, as ah, see, we're we're talking about we're talking about uh Los Angeles Dodgers. Um who who's the the, the venerable announcer? Oh, old time guy passed away not too long ago. All time great. And it's I I I got a brain fart here because Is Vin Scully night. Yeah, Vin Scully, man. Vin Scully. You know, shout out to Vin Scully. Rest in peace to the great Vin Scully. But as he mentioned years ago, momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher, right? Uh, you, you can only build upon what you're going up against. And Shohei Otani is going tomorrow for the for the Angels. So hopefully, uh by the way, the Shohei Otani Mike Trout show, like when those dudes go back to back. Um, I thought the game was over. When it was three to nothing, I actually looked at my fiance. I was like, all right, we can actually start to kind of plan around the Sox losing here. Oh, man. And get up, yeah, get get our night started, you know, because, you know, you put three three runs up on the Sox. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Jay. You, you, you uh, killed no. off Vince Scully, man. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> you killed off Vince Scully. Vince Scully's not. Vince <laughs> Scully's still out here in the paint. Vince Scully's man. not. Oh, he's not. No. Yeah, no. He's oh. retired, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, he's got people retiring. Totally and that's, that's the next step. Wait, did I miss oh. something? Oh, shout out to Vin. My bad, Vin. We love you out here. Still. <laughs> You know, sorry, out of sight, out of mind. Well, I'm glad he's still with us. <laughs> Damn, I killed Vince Cully just now. That sucks. I'm sorry. I apologize for Jason Goff, if anyone in LA is No, you don't even have to apologize for me. I'll do it. I'm sorry, Vin. That's, that, that's no bueno. <laughs> well, see, that's going to make my night better. Vince Cully's still alive, guys. There it is. <laughs> what a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Yeah, there it is. The Sox get a win and Ben Scully is still with us. And we'll be back right here on the Full Go Podcast. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. So in a time where it seems like all the news is disparaging, divisive, and just downright weird, we figure we have some fun and take it to the brighter side, the lighter side of sports. Uh, you are getting ready to hear from what I think is an exceptional family and an exceptional young man. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until I was 11 years old. And a lot of people pat me on the back for like, oh, you knew so early and you did it. Well, it took a it took a damn long time and I still ain't there yet. So just imagine being eight years old and already being a couple of years into your driving slash racing career. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you get a kick out of this the way I got a kick out of it. You are getting ready to meet Grayson Walcott and the Walcott family from right here in Chicago who are doing big things in open wheel racing in California. I'm going to tell y'all right now, I I don't do the, the fancy introductions and act like I'm talking to people that, you know, I never met before, even though I've never met y'all before. I, I like to just bring people on the Full Go podcast and, and chop it up with them. And the fact that y'all know the mayor of Inglewood is the reason why I got the opportunity to interview you guys. This is the Walcott family, ladies and gentlemen. It is Grayson. It is the good Dr. Kadaja, right? I don't want to. Yeah, you know, because I saw I saw the eye in there. I didn't want to mess around and, and, you know, mispronounce your name. And, of course, Dad, Nick Walcott, joining us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. And the guest of honor, the the, the young man who uh, I have been intrigued with this story since Jason brought it to my attention. Uh, I have a five-year-old, so watching an eight-year-old do his thing, Grayson of Grayson Dean Racing, uh, my man, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? I'm gonna get to your parents, but how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. So this is how I like to start things. What question are you tired of being asked about? You know, racing, your youth, the uh, like danger, <laughs> and all the other stuff. Like, let, let's get that out the way so we can get to the fun. Which question have you run into that you're like, man, this again? Um. It stopped happening, but when's the Baby Drivers show going to come out? There it is. See, look at him. He got fans. So Baby Drivers, uh, I got hip to this on Discovery Plus. And in watching this show, and, and thank you to the parents for allowing for this interview, Nick and Kadaja. In watching this show, I all the other shows that I've watched with young athletes, I've always watched with an eye of, okay, are parents going too hard are they not going hard enough like it's a weird it's a weird catch-22 that you that you find because me being a new parent right like five-year-old that i have uh, you never want anybody to question your parenting styles but you also want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward for your young person i want to ask you doc and we get to you nick how do you guys make sure that you are pressing the gas, right? Little racing metaphor. How you guys make sure y'all pressing the gas without being overbearing or helicopter parents? Because I'm sure you guys run into that with the the atmosphere and the environment that you're currently in. It's a it's an extremely delicate balance, and 
you know, as parents, we have to be forgiving of ourselves sometimes. I think the biggest thing is when we take a misstep or we messed up, we go to Grace and apologize. Like, you know what? I was on 10. I'm really sorry about that because, you know, we want to support him and we want Mm -hmm. it to be a positive environment. But at the same time, we know what he's capable of and we're both very competitive. So when we're out there, even though the one side of our brain is saying, okay, he's just a second grader. He's only eight years old. Third grader now. Well, yeah. There it is. (laughs) But you know, you got the one side of your brain saying that, but then the other one, you out there and you like, take them all, take no prisoners. You better get out there. You got to do it. You know? And so on the show, at one point, I think Nick says, or like says that I'm worse than he is. And even though he was, you know, he has the athletic background, I'm just competitive in whatever it is, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to be competitive. Um, And so, you know, we just try to do our best. We do temperature checks with him. Are you sure this is what you want to do? How did you feel about today? And Grayson is really good about putting up his boundaries. And I think we have empowered him to do that. Sometimes he'll tell you, I'm not trying to hear all that. I just need some love right now. (laughs) You know, I know that wasn't good. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear coach mom or coach dad. I just need you to be mom and dad right now. And we're like, okay. And it's a self-check for us. Yeah. And and as he as he told Pops in that one scene, you know, and when Pops asked him, Are you are you still having your moment? And Grayson flipped the visor down, was like, I'm still in my moment, Dad. I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because we as parents, um, we gotta understand that sometimes you gotta say sorry to your kid and let them That's know right. that you you are vulnerable and you're weak as well. And I appreciate you guys and just watching that from afar on Discovery Plus on Baby Drivers, obviously. Nick, your background in professional rugby and professional sports and, and athleticism, uh, in watching this and and nurturing this, when did you know, okay, this is this is not just a hobby for my man. He's he's skilled at what he does. Honestly, I think I kind of noticed it when he was probably four or five, honestly, even at, at that young of an age, just because I just wasn't really that in tune, you know, even when I was like nine or 10 years old. So, right. you know, as athletes, we can kind of always kind of see those little things, you know, like, you know, I think all of us, we always like, man, I kind of hope my son, he got it a little bit. And we were always kind of looking for those little clues a little bit. And I would see those little clues like, man, dude, like his, his, his hand-eye coordination is crazy, even mm-hmm. though I can't give him to play baseball. You know, <laughs> you know, I can't give him to play baseball, but like I can take him out to go play baseball. And I remember teaching him how to swing a bat and he'll pick it up just like that, like super quick. You know, so I remember just seeing like little, little things that he would kind of do. And then when I would watch him drive and even when he was, you know, with his ATV, just, man, how he was just kind of picking up, man, just zooming around the backyard, man. I just kind of knew, like, ah, oh, yeah, see, he different. He different. Mm-hmm. You know, so from, one, from that perspective, it was like, now, okay, all right, all right, how do I not mess this up? <laughs> you know, right. and I think that's kind of what, as, as athletes, former athletes, I think that's where we all kind of get a little bit worried, like, all right, I kind of got one. How do I not mess this up now? You know what I'm saying? How do I make sure that he's having fun? It's his dream. And I'm not being overbearing and, and overstepping my limits. But at the same time, too, still trying to make sure that I'm teaching him early lessons that he's going to be able to lean on, lean on 10 years from now as far as 
being able to put in that hard work and those being disciplined when it trying when it comes to you know his eating habits and stuff like that that even I still struggle with you know and I'm 44 years old you know but if we can kind of like nudge him at least in the right direction right now early on so it's just one of those things where it's, it's that it's that constant balance. Grayson, what are the pros and cons of being a quote unquote baby driver and all the, the the fame and the spotlight that have come for you? What what are some of the positives and what are some of the things like, oh, okay, this again? The good thing to baby drivers is for everybody to know me. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> and to see myself on TV. Mm-hmm. Bad things is the parents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm with you, G. <laughs> the parents ruin all the races <laughs> on the show. You you ruin episode two. Miss Jeanette ruined episode six. And Miss Je- no, Miss Jeanette ruined uh, episode five and six. Uh, <laughs> Miss Jenny ruined episode six. Lord. All the moms. All the moms. And oh. Danny. And Danny and my dad messed up uh, the 10 minute intro in six. It's, oh. it's, it's just all in, it's just always parents. Hey, Grayson, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. As as a 41 year old man, I am what, 33 years older than you? It's always gonna be the parents, man. It's always gonna be the parents. So so don't you got you gotta get used to that. That it's gonna be your eighth grade graduation, your high school graduation. When you get married, your parents are always gonna be there to do something to make sure you're straight, but also be like, damn, mom and dad again, again. So moving from Cali, I'm sorry, moving from Chicago to California, uh, to chase this dream and to nurture this dream. Uh, you know, tell me about Troy Adamson and the importance, uh, Doc, Dad, whatever you guys want to start with, the importance of kicking this thing into the next gear. Because I I saw the 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 big fish in a little pond analogy that was made in the early on in the season, and then you get introduced to the bigger pond out there. W- what is Adams Motorsport meant to his uh, the cultivation of this talent? I should say. It's not a big fish in a small pond. I'm just tell him because my my home track is also a big pond. Also, because these racers are racing all these uh, national competitions. So uh, I don't know what they were just talking. About. <laughs> See, there it is. Eight right. years old, already setting people California? straight. So you know, Grayson and Nick are living in California this summer to train and to race. Again, being a person that doesn't have a, a athletic background and not understanding sometimes fandom and all of that, it has become just crystal clear to me the importance of a child being able to see themselves in the image of someone else, which started with Grayson with Lewis Hamilton, seeing this person, seven-time world champs, just dominating and having him go, you know, I kind of look like him and seeing himself in that image. And the same with Troy. It's just something about Troy. I mean, he, he just comes from a racing family and background 
having the only Black-owned racing track in the country, the longest-running racing track, continuously running in one family since the 50s is just amazing. And Troy has this way of connecting with these kids. And Grayson has a way that he connects with him that's just a little different than um, other situations we've been in. And it's just, so it's just been a very positive experience being around Troy and his wife, Kara, where they're just constantly imparting knowledge, but in a safe, positive way. And that's important to us. Yeah, you mentioned Lewis Hamilton about a couple of summers ago. F1 started to get F1 was like the the hipster, like oh look at y'all watching because soccer for for a good decade plus people would pick their European team or their Premier League team, and they they meet up on Saturday mornings. But all of a sudden, people around me and then you know the the social environments that we roam in started talking about F1 racing a lot more. Lewis Hamilton had the Jordan deal, so having that, and, and then I saw was it Jesse Wuji, uh was on the show. Uh, one of two black NASCAR drivers in in the entire sport. He's in the Xfinity Cup Series. Um, That representation part, Nick, I find this a lot with baseball where you talk to a lot of young back baseball players and they, they pick out the three or four or five guys who baseball pushes forward. But in open wheel racing or NASCAR racing, uh, that representation isn't as plentiful. So how... How was it to not only meet that person that your son has looked up to, but also um, trying to make sure that you keep the ball rolling in terms of not just that representation, but what Grayson is going to experience going forward, being a a minority in a majority white uh, sport? Right, right, right. Well, you know, it's it's important, you know, and I've talked to Troy about this before, you know, just being able to, you know, being able for him to be able to have those conversations. You know, there's going to come a time, you know, down the line where Grayson's going to be able to have conversations with Troy that he's just not going to be able to have with certain other people that he's been able to meet in the racing community. And that's just going to really kind of be important. That being said, Grayson's also going to have to understand that he's going to have to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, I also played a sport where most of the time I just didn't really see a lot of, you know, black players. Uh now the sport is drawing and it's actually kind of cool now to see so many young black, you know, African-American players playing rugby now. When I was playing and even when I was playing even over in England, I think I was the only brother over there, you know, in, you know, in, at least in the U.S. in the entire country playing at the time. Right. Now we meet other, you know, black, you know, rugby players who are from England. Yeah. But it was always that aspect of kind of being alone a little bit. So, and Grace is going to kind of have that same struggle sometimes where he may find himself in certain conversations that it might make him feel a little uncomfortable, but he's going to have to learn how to be comfortable and also still be able to stand tall and be able to handle those situations. So to have somebody like Troy, who's been in that situation, who's traveled, who's raced, who's raced NASCAR, who's uh, done Baja, who's raced in trucks and mm-hmm. had all these other distant, different disciplines, travel overseas, have racers overseas. That's going to be extremely key for Grayson to be able to have that in his back pocket down the line. Grayson, what other sports were you interested in before 
open wheel racing took over, a cart racing took over. If Pops mentioned putting the baseball bat in your hand, I was I was at the park last weekend with my son with the T-ball set. I know all he wants to do is sing and dance, but I want to know if he got a left hand, you know, fastball in him so we can make this money. What other sports were you interested in before racing took over? Nothing. Nothing else. Basketball, baseball, nothing. I'm starting to like basketball now, but like before, it was was nothing before racing. I always like uh, cars and racing. So what was the first memory that you had in a race car or a motorized vehicle that you were operating? I've been in a... Oh, I've been in a F1 car. Well, that oh. wasn't, he said your first memory, though. First memory. I, I heard you was parallel parking cars at three, my man. So I, I still have problems at my old age. My big age, I still have problems parallel parking <laughs> cars. So I, I'm wondering <laughs> how, say again? That was a long time ago. Was, man, it was five years ago. What you mean it was a long time ago? It was, it was, it was probably <laughs> uh, when I was doing donuts in the electric car. It was probably my youngest memory. Yeah, which yeah. is about four years old. Yeah, I was like four. <laughs> My goodness! But to him, you swear he's a forty-four-year-old man. No, he's got a different type of soul on him. I, that's why I appreciate it, uh, Doc. Usually, the moms have to get talked into the more dangerous sports, right? Whether it be football or rugby, or whatever the case may be. Usually, soccer is in a, is in a hard sell, right? Uh, when <laughs> when racing was brought to you by the Walcott men, uh, and, and seriously brought to you by the Walcott men, what did you? Uh, what was your first thought? You know, it was just kind of a very smooth evolution of how it all happened. I love watching cars. I love cars. I have dreams of having an um, old school muscle car, although that dream has gone out the window with him in racing right now. Wait, wait no, no, no. Had... Why is that dream gone? Why is well, that right dream gone? For now. Because oh, he's driving okay. it. Because <laughs> he's driving it. <laughs> but, um, so it wasn't, it wasn't real hard. It didn't take any convincing. It was kind of like I saw what Nick was seeing. You know, and at first we didn't know we, you know, we have one kid and it was just like other kids would come over and we're like, wait, every kid doesn't parallel park and drift at three. Like what is going on here? So <laughs> once we, park? yeah, I, we have video of you parallel parking. I, I mean, I, I do not remember that. So um, <laughs> once, you know, we started learning about Lewis Hamilton's story and kind of looking into it and finding out all these people started out in go-karting, we're like, okay. Go karting it is. You know, it didn't take much convincing. Um, they have to be five in the United States to compete competitively. So we were told that we were never told that he could start practicing earlier. We were just waiting for him to turn five. So we went out, bought him an ATV, bought him an electric go-kart where he was doing all kind of um uh things in our in our yard and in our driveway. And then we got him a racing simulator at four, just waiting to turn five. Mom, I'm so mad that you got me a go-kart when I was five. <laughs> when, when did you want it? When I, well, now when I look back, probably four. There you go. And she bought it a year too late. It's all good. It's all good. The thing that we learned more than else is just because we didn't know about the sport, everything has been learning on the go. You know, yeah. everything, Jason. So from that perspective, where 
we didn't know people where they were getting their kids, you know, who understand what racing is, they were getting their kids in the car at three, four years old. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So by the time we were actually really, you know, trying to get ourselves involved in the sport, we were sitting back here and we were like, oh, so you weren't waiting till you're five? You mean your kid's been in a go-kart since he was three? What? Right. You know, right. like everything we've we we were learning, it's been kind of like learning as we've been progressing in the sport itself. You know what I'm saying? So when Grayson kind of says that, it's because he talks to his friends and his friends, they have literally been in go-karts sometimes since they were two, three, four years old, zooming around, you know, the, the their backyards or, you know, going to the racetrack and stuff like that. So, you know, for him, it's like, well, why, why I was doing that? And it's like, hey, man, you're going to do that because your mama and daddy from the south side of Chicago, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. We playing catch up, and we're and we doing a damn good job out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny because I, you know, in in watching uh, the show on Discovery Plus, and then putting stuff into YouTube because you know I tried to tried to skip that free sign in trial. You know, I I had to I succumbed <laughs> to it. I, I gave I gave up to five dollars a month. You know, for the for the for the family. <laughs> Of course, but I threw it. I threw it in the YouTube, and I threw baby drivers in the YouTube, and man, it was crazy because I saw guys like Joey Logano and all like young footage of these dudes who are legends in NASCAR and legends in F1, and of course, you start somewhere, and and I guess the conventional coverage of sports since I've been in the game, you know, you see kids getting ranked at fifth and sixth and seventh grade in basketball or seven on seven camps in football. And you're like, oh, you know, this is just normal. But it had never dawned on me that, yeah, racing got to start before you get your driver's license, right? So, <laughs> so, so what has been the toughest part of the journey for you guys in terms of uh, schedule. You, you're already saying that, you know, you guys have to live apart for cer- certain months of the year just so that you can put everything into this young career. What has been the toughest part that I know you guys are going to look back on and say, you know what, it was worth it. But in that moment, it was, uh, it was, it was a little hairy. <laughs> I think like Nick said, kind of learning on the job, um, it's been frustrating for the both of us feeling like that we are his limiting factor. Mm. Um, a lot of the people that he competes against, their dads, their grandpas, you know, they were drivers, they're mechanics, they have a mechanics background. We have nothing. So it's frustrating knowing that we have a champion on our hands, but we haven't been able to do everything that we need to do to give him that competitive edge. So we've had to get a Troy Adams for coaching, hire people to be the mechanic to come with us for big races and things like that. And Nick is doing a great job of learning, but it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of information. Is he to anything. Of course he is. Let me tell you something right now, Gray. Let me tell you, the, the fact that you're sitting there with 17, 18 sponsors, me, moms and dads, has been putting in some work. You know, right? and you and you sponsored by half the places that I go visit every once in a while. Uh, now that I'm looking at it, you know, I, I like to pop up at Jerk over there on Chicago Avenue in Halstead. You know, I like to go to the bureau bar back in the day when I was allowed to. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep that between the parents, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, great. I'm a, I got to get you out to... Uh, a Bulls game, man. 
because sure. I would I would love for you to be my guest at a Bulls game. You can you can invite your family if you want. If not, you can invite your guys. And you know it's it's up to you. But next season, I, I want to get you out to a game because I think you need to be highlighted even more so than Baby Drivers on Discovery Plus, right? And of course, you've been doing the rounds. I've seen you popping up on morning news outlets. Uh, there's something special about you, and obviously something special about the family. And uh, I'm I'm going to continue to follow your career uh, as we as we wrap this thing up, man. I appreciate your time because I know you're a busy young man. Um, if you can tell Grayson, eight year old Grayson, something that thirty year old Grayson you think is going to have in mind, what would you come back and tell eight year old Grayson in terms of enjoying this ride? Because I hope you are. But, but what what do you think the older you is going to tell the younger you? Uh, I'll, I'll get to F1. I'll win some races so I don't get a concussion. There it is. There <laughs> it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you might tell me some crazy stuff. Some <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff might happen. Oh, older Grayson is not going to tell younger Grayson tell anything crazy. Injuries. He might tell me some injuries. Let me ask you this, too, before we let you go. The conversation about drivers being athletes. That, that used to come up a lot more than it does now. And obviously, the, the physical training and the wear and tear on your body and uh, the, the discipline of being that focused for that amount of time while traveling at high speeds, I think, is ath- athleticism in its, in its own right. But what do you do, Grayson, to prepare your body or prepare your mind for a race? Like, what's the, what's the regimen like leading up to a race? I listen to music. And what are you listening to? I listen to Laugh Now, Cry Later. Laugh Now, Cry Later. All right, a little Drake in your, in your rotation. Or, I got um, you. You know, or, shout out to the light-skinned brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Push and Pee. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, I don't know that you need anything else in your rotation, to be honest with you, if that's going to get you going. It's funny, Jason. That's just even... Uh, come off as far as what he does, as far as training. Yeah. Wise. yeah. Um, you know, th- even that topic itself, I saw, I finally got into a car myself, probably about <laughs> like a year and a half ago. All right. How, how, I, how big was this car, bro? It was, it's a big car. It was for an adult, <laughs> right? Now. And it was a K100, right? Okay. I drove that car for about 12 laps. That car kicked my... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? what you no, know, don't worry, Gray. Don't worry. It's it's, it's, it's grown up talk now. Is you good? You good? The the G's and everything else. My forearms were getting sore. Everything. I could not believe just how physically demanding it was to drive that car, and it gave me a completely different perspective. So that whole. Race car drivers aren't athletes type of stuff coming from an athlete. No, that, that conversation is forever dead for me as far as I'm concerned. By the way, I also end up putting that cart into a wall and causing $700 worth of damage. Oh, <laughs> so was, was Grayson around for this accident? Yeah, he was around for this accident. <laughs> so who's the best driver in the family, Grayson? Me. And okay. go karts me. That okay. driving real cars, like real just road cars. Can't wait for this. Drive down the road, my mom. <laughs> oh, let's see how they do you. 
See how they do you. That's the correct answer, by the way. You did good. You- <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason, one of the things that we try to impress upon people, because, you know, you say, oh, that's just such an interesting hobby. Like, no, it's not a hobby. Like, he's doing push-ups. He's running. He does these things called blaze pods for hand-eye coordination. He's on a balance board. We have that on our social media where you can see him just standing on a balance board for minutes and minutes and minutes. Um, and so there's a lot. And then when he gets older, much older, they do a lot of weights for their neck training and things like that. So I've always wondered, like, the wobbling of the head and, and yeah. how you, like, how that doesn't uh, affect you as, as a dr- race car driver. And I've never had a race car driver on to inquire about it. Yeah, the G-forces. Just yeah. going around those turns, oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes they get bruises on their ribs, you know. Um, so you have That's to crazy. be able to hold. I mean, and right now he's a little kid, so they had a big helmet on right, and right. hold your head. I mean, it's a lot, a lot that goes into it. But Nick is very um, strict about what can and can't be done right now for his young body, for sure, and training and exercising. But um, we're building up to certain things, right. This is amazing, man. Yeah, it's, it's important to just kind of, at the end of the day, too, Jason, he's still an eight-year-old kid, too. So, uh, again, going back to previous conversation, I mean, at the start of the podcast, like, we always got to make sure we watch that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, yeah. whether it's training and everything else, everything has to be done in a certain level of moderation, you know? So, yes, we can start introducing them to certain things, but at the same time, too, we also still meet, need to make sure that we're still meeting him kind of at his level as well. Baby drivers on Discovery Plus, I shelled out the $5 a month so I can watch <laughs> my man go out there and represent Chicago the way he should. Uh, Kadaja, Nick, you guys have done seemingly a terrific job with this young man. So shout out to y'all. Uh, I appreciate you guys giving me some time. And, and this is it, Greg. I'm telling you now, brother, I am putting my bid in now. So when you blow up, I need you back on the podcast. I need you back on whatever show I'm hosting in because I move around out here in these sports entertainment streets. But I like to I like to put my bid in early. And I think you are a young star in the making, my man. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you. Thank you. There it is. There it is. Grayson and the Walcott family. Grayson, Dean, Racing. You can catch them on Baby Drivers. Uh, the first season, oh, both seasons actually are on Discovery Plus, if I'm not mistaken. One season, yeah, the first season is on Discovery Plus, and you could also throw things in, on YouTube as well and just check out my guy, Grayson. Grayson, thank you so much, and appreciate you joining the, the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. I just got a chance to meet, I guess, uh, through press conference. The Bulls 2022 first-round draft pick, Dalen Terry. Uh, The young man, as I tweeted, represents himself quite well. Uh, A good-looking kid. uh, Loved the suit. Black on black. Looking good out here. Had the fresh lining with the... You know, the, the young boy hairdo, as I call it. I don't know what to call it these days. With the You know, the braids, or the, or the, the locks, whatever's happening up top. Um, shout out to him. And looking forward to seeing this dude get put to the test because he strikes me as a, as a kid who not only says the right thing, but is made up of the right things as well. Um, in answering some of the questions, talking about being a part of team, uh, a team environment and being a part of a winning environment. He said all the right things, but when you go back and look at some of his highlights and look at his footage uh, in his two years at Arizona, especially at the end of last year, you not only saw him grow, but still have that I'm willing to do anything to stay on the court kind of attitude. And the defensive things pop out at you, whether it be the deflections, him being able to guard one through four. We all know about the Bulls' woes in terms of pick and roll, ball handling uh, defense, right? Like making sure that 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 drop defense that is employed by so many bigs around the league isn't put to the test because you're not allowing point guards to get depth. You're not allowing uh, yourself to be screened as easily as some defenders do. I think that kid has all those things. I think he has all the right stuff uh, to, to make a difference. Now, will that difference be this year? I don't know. I don't know. Hoping for it as a Bulls fan, but I'm not willing to put all that on a 19, 20-year-old, especially where this team is now. And I've talked to people about it before. This is different from the Patrick Williams draft, okay? When you drafted Pat Williams number four overall, one, you had the fourth overall pick because you weren't that good, right? Like you were at the top of the lottery because you weren't that good. This team is a lot better than that team. So how Dale and Terry fits into this equation is different than how Patrick Williams fit into the equation a few years ago. Is he going to get the opportunities? Of course he is because of injury. I mean, increasingly we've seen this league, especially now that we're living in the COVID era, there's going to be guys out for a couple of weeks and whatever the COVID protocols are going forward, obviously that will be uh, recalibrated, but there's going to be guys out for a couple of weeks. We've talked about wing depth being a necessity for this team. Uh, and, and the shooting key, 36, 37% from the three-point arc is all you're really asking for. And then when you start to see that volume go up more, then, of course, you want that to climb. You want him to be around 39, 40%. If he's a 40% three-point shooter, then we're talking about uh, a hell of a pick, especially if his defensive skills translate. So right now, as it stands, you, you still 
You still don't have the things that you wanted to get going into this draft in terms of rim protection and also perimeter shooting, but he's a good enough perimeter shooter that I think one of those things might be taken care of. I don't know how soon it'll be taken care of, especially in this offense where you're going to have kickout opportunities, but how often is he going to be on the floor with, uh, you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and not the, the ball not be kicked out to Alex Cruz or Alonzo Ball, uh, barring good health, like all those things, right? So the, the opportunities that his game will probably have to grow, I don't know if we're going to see them early on next year because of how this team's trajectory has changed. But at first blush, uh, you know, he sounded excited <laughs> when we heard from him on the phone uh, during draft night, and he sounds focused on press conference day, which is all you can ask for uh, when he was asked about if he's going to uh, go into the workouts, the 5 a.m. breakfast club workouts with DeMar DeRozan in L.A. said, if I'm invited, right? So it seems like he's a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to not only earn the, the good graces of his vets and the people around him, but get better as a player. And if you look at the three draft picks that uh, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have made so far, you're talking about Pat Williams, talking about Marco Simonovich, talking about Io DeSumo, right? And now Dalen Terry. We don't know much about Simonovich. Patrick Williams, we do know. Project, guy who uh, had all, has, I won't say had, <laughs> has all the skills that should translate to him being uh, an, not only an elite wing defender, uh, but also a guy who should be able to put the basket uh, the ball in the basket at, at a higher rate, at a higher clip than he does already. But shooting, right? I mean, catch and shoot game for Pat Williams isn't his strong suit. You know, Ayo Desumu coming out of college. My man Ricky O'Donnell actually tweeted this from SB Nation. Coming out of college, Ayo Desumu, one of the questions was, what does he do? What does he do uh, exceedingly well, right? Like, what, what is he great at? And everybody had knocks on his game. Obviously, Arturis and Mark saw something. They saw him slip. They saw him go to 38 and couldn't allow him to get past that number, selecting him. And he's one of the best rookies in the NBA last year, right? Making an all-rookie NBA team. With this pick, you see, you're starting to see kind of the profile over the last couple of years, few years, what Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas value. And it's length, it's athleticism, it's defense, it's competitive spirit. It's also, it's also the versatility that you need, right? You got a combo guard in Ayo DeSumo. He's not one or the other right now in the NBA. Obviously, he played a lot of point guard with Lonzo Ball down. Pat Williams is a guy who can play three or four and sometimes maybe in a pinch, small ball five, right? Because of how how thick he is, 6'8", 235 pounds, he's got a great body. He should be able to last a couple of possessions with some of the bigs uh, in the league without getting dominated, right? And now in Dalen Terry, talking about a guy who's not just a defender, but seemingly a, a decent enough playmaker, right? A secondary ball handler, a guy who could fire some things out off of, you know, you get a weak side, little duck in, somebody collapses it or, 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 or walls it off properly. You got a guy who can make that pass out to the corner or make that pass to the wing when the defense is sucked in. So it seems like he's got that part of his game where it's not just him being a defender and energy guy and, a, you know, a high motor guy, which are all great things. But when you're drafting in the first round and you're drafting uh, to try to fill certain roles or you're just drafting best player, which I think in this case, that's what they went with. This guy was the best player on their board. They was excited to have him. I think that more than a high motor guy is what can be expected and what should be expected. But again, 
It may not be expected early on, right? It may not be uh, at the outset of his Bulls career. And that's the question. What do the Bulls need now? And how will people be looking at this pick as the season progresses when he is thrown into the fire due to injury or just because maybe he's showing something in practice that we don't get a chance to see? Like, I'm looking forward to seeing this man play basketball. I'm looking forward to him uh, enjoying the city and being a part of the community. He seems like a, uh, a bright kid, right? He seems like, and I'm, I mean that in every sense of the world. Like, he seems like a real vibrant young man, right? Like, he, 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 he had a decent... Um, disposition about him in terms of he's here to win he's here to compete but he you know he's got that 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 kid-like enthusiasm i don't want to you know call this young man a kid right because he's 19 getting ready to be 20 in july but uh i'm a fan i'm a fan of how he represented himself i'm a fan of what i saw first blush hopefully he can play and hopefully when he does get in uh he can show what he has even though the circumstances are a lot different than the last time we saw the bulls uh take somebody a wing player with the first round draft pick. So and my thoughts on Dalen Terry, young man, I will never butcher your name again. <laughs> and hopefully your game and everything about you uh, will make people remember your name for the foreseeable future. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 119 of the Full Goal podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ring. And of course, Spotify is the gang. want to say thank you so much to the Walcott family, Dr. Kadaja. Walcott, of course, Nick Walcott, and the kid, soon to be an outstanding, outstanding open-wheel driver on the professional level. He is Grayson of Grayson Dean Racing. So make sure you're checking those guys out on Discovery Plus. Baby Drivers, make sure you're checking out that first season of Baby Drivers on Discovery Plus, wherever your cable provider will allow you to do so. All right, for the fellas, Steve Cerruti the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, and, of course, the act of Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for hanging out with us, for listening, for subscribing, downloading this thing, sharing it, rating and reviewing it with your friends. We truly appreciate everything you do for this pod. We will be back on Thursday where, ah, NBA free agency will kick off. Will Zach Levine be a bull at 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursday? Or will this podcast be screaming and ranting and raving and the panic sirens going off in the background? We shall see. And, of course, we'll make fun of other people out there getting all that dough because, man, NBA free agency is the time for us to look at this list and be like that person got what we can get our shack on right we can get our real real hate on so yeah pocket watching will happen on thursday and of course we'll have some more mid baseball to talk about and we'll be joined by a chicago hip-hop legend and i mean that when i say it so ah restaurant quality teas for you always leave them wanting more and also we would like to say congratulations to our own Adam Amin. Yes, he was one of the first guests on this podcast. He is a dude that I have grown to know and love because we play a whole bunch of Call of Duty together. <laughs> We'd be running around in these Verdance streets. Uh, he is an awesome dude. He is a um, an absolute gem to be around. He is as prepared and as focused as any broadcaster I've ever been around in my 20 years in the game. And he has been honored as Illinois Sportscaster of the Year by NSMA Sports Media. So shout out to our guy, Adam Amin. Uh, the price is going up, and that's always a good thing, my man. You do great work 
on the NFL on Fox and, of course, Major League Baseball on Fox and the Bulls games right here on NBC Sports Chicago here in the city. So shout out to you, Adam. You deserve everything you get, man. And hopefully you will still say yes when I ask you to come on this podcast. For Tony, for Steve, and for Jesse, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other and be safe. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.